Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown! Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by the exceptionally talented Perry Goldstein. And it's Friday. March Madness has started. We're watching some basketball. We're drinking some beer. It's a it's a good way to kick off the weekend. And we asked the listeners of the podcast to come up with some Twitter questions for us because we felt like we needed to kind of address free agency maybe in a little bit different format rather than us just giving our general thoughts on free agency. So Perry, let's just, let's just dive right into some of these questions. Cause we got some really interesting ones. Yeah, we did. Thank you everyone who sent them in and got a lot more responses, honestly, than I was expecting. So we love your engagement. Um, I think the first one that I'm going to start with is from a, a friend of the show, Brennan. Um, Brennan asked us, which is just such a great question for the two of us is if we could sign one realistic free agent cornerback, who would it be and why? So, Maggie. So, I got destroyed because on Pack-A-Day with Jimmy earlier in the week, I said Patrick Peterson, and then before the episode even debuted, Patrick Peterson was signed with the Vikings. So, that couldn't work. But then, I guess he's not technically a free agent yet, and Perry didn't want to talk about Kyle Fuller. But to me, Kyle Fuller would be probably one of the most ideal candidates left on the market, especially because, I mean, he's had a fantastic career all pro seasons really talented and I like when Bears players leave Chicago that are talented and come play in Green Bay CC Adrian Amos so I would like to see them and that honestly having Kyle Fuller and Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage and Jair Alexander has completely solved kind of that puzzle of the missing piece with Kevin King being gone yeah. Um, I mean, I'm definitely not anti Fuller. I think it's great. <laughs> I agree with you. I think, um, you know, we've seen that when bears come to the Packers, it usually ends up working out quite nicely. And, um, you already know that he would fit in. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know that he would fit in, um, and he would automatically have a familiar face in the secondary. But my choice is Adoree Jackson. And there's just so many reasons why. I think the first being he's still only 25. He played for the Titans. So he's very familiar with Matt LaFleur. He got released already. So there would be pretty easy to pick him up. I think it'd be a really um, inexpensive pickup. It feels like a very classic 
Goot signing, right? Like he was hurt this past season. So his stock is a little bit lower, but before, you know, he's a former first round pick. So he's got a lot of upside to him. It's like the perfect time to get him because he was released. He was hurt. He didn't have his like best season. So you could probably get him cheaper than what he would have been normally. But he's, you know, just super freaky athletic, high RAS score, everything that the secondary would like, and still really young and really talented um, and and still has some time, I think, to be molded. So um, I'm looking at a Dory Jackson, which I heard that he's visiting the Giants and the Eagles and the Packers were not listed as teams <laughs> that he was visiting. But also, you never know, Packers tend to do things behind closed doors. So um, I'd be very excited if that was who they signed. Yeah, and I saw, I can't remember who said it, but somebody mentioned the fact that he used to be a returner as well. So I don't really like when your starters are in those roles. It's like when Jair Alexander was returning kickoffs and punts, and it was like, okay, well, he's all you've got, so maybe don't do that. But I I do think he would maybe bring a little bit of juice to special teams if you were asked to do some of that as well. I actually don't hate when starters bring the juice to special teams because to me, it's like you should have your best players out there always. And I think there's something to be said for the fact that Packers special teams never have their best players out there. And that's why (laughs) special teams are always pretty poor, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, So Steve 111, sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name, um, asked us, what is the situation at the linebacker? linebacker position. I believe he means inside linebacker. Um, are they going to go in free agency? The draft was Kirksey that bad or was he just too expensive to keep? See, I think that was tricky and Kirksey to me felt like a stopgap, and he was always going to be a stopgap. He was like a one-year rental. And if he had a productive enough season, I think they could have restructured or afforded him for another season. But I kind of think that, you know, Packers front office was just surprised by the, incredible development so early of Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. Like I think they brought him into the, that veteran presence and they didn't necessarily need the veteran presence toward the end of the season. And I absolutely think that Christian Kirksey played a lot better as will than as the Mike linebacker. I think he'll do well for the Texans if he's not kind of their every down guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the Packers are just trying to get younger. I thought Denzel Perryman made a lot of sense for them just as somebody who maybe could serve a similar role without breaking the bank. But at this point, I really just see the Packers sticking with Barnes, Martin, and then potentially drafting somebody to kind of round out that trio. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that it was unexpected. I like I think Christian Kirksey was brought in because they felt like inside linebacker was a hole. And then it turns out that in last year's draft slash undrafted class, they were able to find two players who they believe can be starters. And that's amazing. And that's super exciting. And that unfortunately meant that Christian Kirksey was going to, you know, going to no longer be with the team and the Packers felt like they didn't need to pay him anymore. Um, So we love when a position group is filled with young rookie deals, um, especially with where the Packers are at with the cap space. So um, I agree with you. I think that maybe a sort of less expensive you know, later in free agency signing could be on the table um, or a draft pick, but the Packers haven't really coveted this position with, they don't put too much, you know, premium stock into it, if you will. And I feel pretty confident in the two young guys that they have so far. So um, totally with you there. 
I kind of think too, like not to go back to a couple years ago, but the Packers historically were like a team that saw what they had at the position in training camp. And then if they needed to sign somebody late, like Antonio Morrison, BJ Goodson. So it's possible that they'll see what they have with Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. And then, you know, knock on wood that no injury occurs, but we saw like Kamal Martin wasn't ready to start the season. So it feels like to me, if they make a move at linebacker, it's going to be probably in August. It's not going to be anything that we see in the next couple of weeks. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Okay, so Thomas Genswill asked us, he's really asking the hard-hitting questions here. It's what everyone's talking about on Twitter. Do you feel like the Packers need, need in caps, to sign a wide receiver, or do you think that there's no reason to try to fix the best offense in the league? Yeah, I like this question. I think it's something that we've kind of talked about before. Um, to me, I don't see the the Packers wanting to spend the money on a wide receiver in free agency because we know that a Devontae Adams extension is likely coming in the next couple of weeks. At least, you know, it has to get done before 2022 when there are zero wide receivers on on the cap. So I think to me, it makes more sense to go into the season with Devontae Adams, see what you have in Devin Funches. You got Alan Lazard and MVS back. And then you draft a wide receiver, which we talked about, you know, a couple weeks ago to kind of acclimate with the offense, whether that's with Aaron Rodgers on the first team, with Jordan Love on second team. And then you have at least somebody under contract going into 2022 next to Devontae Adams. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that it's definitely going to be a big offseason next offseason when every single wide receiver is not under contract and they'll have to make decisions then. Um, There are definitely still things, right, to improve in this offense, but none of them to me were personnel-based. They were execution-based. And so would I love to see the Packers draft a wide receiver in this class? Of course I would, because again, they have none under contract next season. And this is a pretty deep class, just like the 2020 class was. And I think there's a really big opportunity for them to just get a playmaker um, alongside Devonte Adams. I agree with you that Devin Funches is definitely a wild card and I'm super excited to see what he brings, but I love that we have Devonte. We know that they're going to extend him where we get Aaron Jones back, you know, we're getting Josiah DeGuara back off IR. Like there's a few pieces here um, that I think are going to be pretty exciting. They tendered Robert Tunyon. We still have Alan Lazard. So the core looks good. Um, I'd love to see them add another piece through the draft, but I don't see any reason for them to go after a wide receiver, especially with, how expensive that would be. Yeah. And I mean, I know that there's kind of been like a joke about whether it's Aaron Jones or whoever, as far as like their position title, like it's not RB one, it's weapon one or whatever. But I think that's kind of what we're seeing in a Matt LaFleur offense is it's not necessarily you play running back, you play wide receiver, you play tight end. Look at, like you said, Josiah DeGuara, Tyler Irvin. There's a lot of guys who have a lot of different gadget roles for this Packers offense. And I could see the Packers drafting a wide receiver who can also be, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't re-sign Tyler Irvin, kind of that motion back, also a wide receiver, also a punt and kickoff returner. So yeah, I think they'll add to the position group, but I'm not necessarily sold that they'll play solely traditional wide receiver. Yeah. And we saw not to kind of expand on this even further, but I mean, we definitely saw with, you brought up Matt LaFleur's scheme, like it was a lot of two tight end sets. It was a lot of two running backs on the field at the same time. Yep. Like they're not going, I think a lot of fans and a lot of national media members too. I've been seeing a lot of this recently is like, get it out of your head that Packers are going spread five wide now. Like that's just <laughs> not what they're doing. This is not Mike McCarthy. I saw a post recently and I, I can't remember the source of it, but it was saying how 
a certain player would fit perfectly in the Randall Cobb role. And I'm like, Randall Cobb hasn't been on the team for years and the Packers don't run that type of offense anymore. So I think there needs to be some level of catch up to understanding what Matt LaFleur wants to do and not wants to do what he is doing. Um, and that's more weapons. Matt LaFleur's scheme is so that he's scheming guys open. This is the opposite of McCarthy. McCarthy said, you have to win against your corner. You have to win against who you're going up against. That's the complete opposite. So um, again, would I love another weapon uh, and to, to keep filling that wide receiver room with young talent? Obviously they need to do that to keep this offense running. Um, right. But I think it's a draft draft and develop classic Packers. Okay. <laughs> who do you think the right defensive tackle is for the Packers to sign? Well, I don't like this question. I was going to say, I don't like this question because every time I get my hopes up that somebody's going to come to Green Bay, they get snatched up. So there Mm -hmm. was Quentin Jefferson, um, Troy Alulu, uh, who went back to the Jaguars. Obviously, Larry Ogunjobi was the guy that I wanted more than anybody. But I mean, we're seeing some really talented names that are kind of cropping up that are still available. Gino Atkins, I wrote an article about him last season when he was a free agent again and said that he would make sense for the Packers. I still think in a kind of a limited role in that rotational role, he could do just that for the Packers because there's no depth, right? Like we're mm-hmm. seeing there's Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, and then like Anthony Rush. And that's that's about it for that defensive line room. So I think Geno Atkins is really interesting. And then, I don't know. I don't can know, we ta- Can we talk about Akeem Hicks? I, I was going to say, what do you think about Akeem Hicks? Is that... Look, putting realism aside, because the chances that, A, the Bears actually let him walk, and B, let him go to a division rival... Not even just a division rival. Like, to the Packers um, is crazy. But putting realism aside... If the Packers acquired Akeem Hicks next to Kenny Clark, and then you had the Smiths and Rashawn Gary rushing the passer, and I don't even care who cornerback two is, you have our secondary back there. Like, my mind <laughs> would be blown. I mean, that would, I think Akeem Hicks would immediately upgrade that Packers front to be one of the best in the league. Is that too much to say? Is that an exaggeration? I mean, he is. So dominant, so large. He's exactly what they've been missing in the interior, right? We talked about this in, you know, offline. Like the Packers are don't have a scary interior rush. We haven't, they haven't been great against the run, although they were better last season. Like Akeem Hicks would be an upgrade in every sense of the word. Well, and if you look at the Packers Bears game at Lambeau Field, when the Bears didn't have Akeem Hicks on the field, the middle of the defense was wide open and the Packers had like a million and a half roughly yards on the ground that game. So like, I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, like you and I talked about this cause Andy Herman posted a poll. Would you rather have Kyle Fuller or Akeem Hicks? And there was a part of me that was like, okay, immediate reaction is to say Kyle Fuller because we saw what having, and not to talk about like negatively about Kevin King, but we saw what having a weak second corner does in big moments. They get targeted because nobody's targeting Jair Island, but then you talked about Akeem Hicks, and yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to not get excited about the thought, even though it, you know, really feels like a pipe dream unless he's released instead of traded. To I see mean, Akeem we have, Hicks. yeah, and we have, if you've been listening to the show for a couple of months now, like, you know how much respect Maggie and I have for Akeem oh, yeah. Hicks. Like, there is, 
there's tons of jokes that you can make about the bears and we make plenty of them uh, (laughs) offline and on the show and on Twitter, but there is absolutely nothing that I have to say about that man that is negative. He's a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal person. I think he, he would fit in the locker room. He's a vet that, I mean, I just, the idea of him next to Kenny Clark is like, I I mean, try running the ball. I just, try it and then also when you get a guy like Akeem Hicks in there and I know that we're we're talking about this now he's going to end up like with the Lions or something um oh my god don't (laughs) don't do it (laughs) but like think about what Kenny Clark is able to accomplish even while he's getting double teamed and so when you put Akeem Hicks with the respect that he garners again from offenses around the league because he deserves it because that's the kind of player he is it opens up Kenny as well to be able to do Kenny Clark things and Kenny's the best nose tackle in the league so it just it would give Joe Barry I almost said Mike Pettin it would give (laughs) Joe Barry so much freedom to do whatever he wanted to do on that front with the Smiths and Rashawn as well yeah and I don't want to like keep talking about this because it's still like this pie in the sky thing. it's a pipe dream we've we've talked so much about Kenny Clark and yes he plays a lot of traditional nose but he's better suited at rushing the passer and he absolutely can stuff the run we've seen him do it countless time tackles for loss but when you have a guy like Akeem Hicks who also is incredible at rushing the passer but is more of a I guess even traditional nose tackle than Kenny Clark anybody that you can pair opposite Kenny to free him up to do what Kenny does best it's just setting your defense up for success, especially when mm-hmm. you can have guys like Z and Rashawn on stunts that also come from the middle of the defense. So there's just a lot to be excited about, but why are we even, you know, this was like 10 minutes of us just dreaming. The only thing that I'll add, and then I'm going to move on to the next question is that having what I expect is that the Packers will likely be starting a rookie quarterback next to Jair and unless Zappy Samuel just kidding. <laughs> or Greg Newsome, right? Molden. I don't even get me started. But <laughs> my point is, is that there's likely going to be a rookie starting at some point in the 2021 season at cornerback, even yes. if the Packers bring in a vet. And what better way to set up a rookie for success than having a absolutely dominant front? Right. So that is all I will add to this discussion. Now I'm going to move on to our <laughs> next question because we like to keep these episodes short in the off season. So we're so bad at that. We talk so much shit about how we're going to keep these like nice, easy drives. And then they're like, Maggie just cursed. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's because we enjoy talking Packers together. That's true. So that's we got a question from Jay Z 77. Jay is one of our, I'd say most avid listeners. So shout Jay's out to best. you. Jay Love is Jay. the best. Um, and he wants to know, Okay, this is a long one. Seeing as no free agent safety has yet to be signed, my guess is the market is pretty sad. You're right there. Provided (laughs) that the Packers could sign one of the few that are available at a reasonable price, who would you most like to see and why? Elaborate on fit with Amos and Savage, if you please. Thanks. So, yeah, you take this one. You're the the certified cornerback, Stan. Well, this or is defensive backs, Dan. Um, so my thought here is actually that I don't think the Packers are going to do anything at the safety position. No, I, I think, agree. I think that they draft someone because this is, again, a room that you'd like to fill. But you have your two starters. Probably not going to bring Will Redmond back, but maybe Vernon Scott can fill in in that role now. Bring in another rookie to fill in the depth. And you're kind of set. 
right? And especially if you draft a guy like Elijah Molden, who in college <laughs> played both slot nickel and a little bit of safety. Like if you get a, ver- I'm not saying him, but I'm just saying a versatile right. player like that who can be moved around in the defense. And also, I don't know how much dime that Joe Barry is really going to play. He put a lot of stock into the nickel, of course, but he, you know, there might be less dime. And so there might be less lend six DBs on the field all the time, which is just like a wild thought. But I think that of all the positions that the Packers have on defense, safety is the most solid. I didn't know that you could play defense if it wasn't time. Crazy, I'm just right? I'm just what a crazy concept. <laughs> I don't want people to tweet me and be like, you're an idiot. You, no, you're <laughs> obviously up. being sarcastic. <laughs> but no, I mean, Justin Simmons kind of set the market today and deservedly yes. so. I mean, he was the big name. He got snatched up. There's really interesting names, honestly, on this list. You and I talked, like, we gushed about Anthony Harris and the fact that we hope he doesn't go back to the Vikings. But, you know, Chris Banjo is on that list. Uh, former Packer Chris Banjo. Josh Jones is on the list. So, there's a lot of players that are available, but I'm I'm with you 100%. I don't necessarily see the Packers doing anything. I think Vernon Scott can kind of play that quote-unquote Raven Green hybrid, hybrid role that's inside linebacker safety. I think he's got the physicality to do that. And mm-hmm. I know we saw him in like really sporadic moments, but Henry Black was a player that I was so excited about in training camp. And I'm excited to see what he can do as kind of like safety four on the roster maybe in some rotational packages I think that he can develop into a really nice player but I also think that they draft a safety too yeah I think they definitely fill in with the draft the Packers always draft defensive backs whether Mm -hmm. it's one later or two really early I personally think they're going to do two really early they're going to use premium picks this season because that feels like the pattern that they've been going down the last couple of years but there's it's not an immediate need So they can fill the hole with the draft and sort of develop someone under Jerry Gray and then, you know, obviously be set with the tandem that they have, which is one of the best in the NFL. Um, Our next question is from Matt Pickett. And if I am correct, Matt was recently on Packaday. So shout out to Matt. Um, Which not yet re-signed Packer, example, Big Dog, would you prioritize to sign? And since it would have ramifications evolving Jordan Love, would you extend Rogers' contract? So kind of a twofer. Um, I'll start with the second one since it looks like an extension is not happening, right? The Rogers was due a $6.8 million signing bonus by today at 4 p.m. And if you're listening after Friday, I meant Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> and that didn't happen. So it kind of looks like they're going to leave Rogers' contract alone in any significant way. They might move some money around to make some space, but it doesn't look like an extension is coming. And before I move on to the second question, because I think it's more of a fun discussion, I just want to really add that I don't. I think that it's fine that the Packers don't extend Rodgers. He's under contract for two more seasons. If he plays in an MVP level next season and even into the second season in 2022 and the Packers decide, you know what? We're going to keep it rolling. We're going to, you know, run it back with Rodgers for another two, three, whatever years they can extend him. Then Uh, I don't think that it's a, an extension is a pressing or smart decision at this point, because it's still kind of up in the air what the next couple of years looks like between him and Jordan Love. And there's a lot of development that Jordan Love still needs to have. So that's my two cents on the extension. I don't know if you have any thoughts or you want to answer his second question. So I heard Aaron Rodgers is under contract for two seasons and my brain went to, okay, so the Packers are winning Super Bowls 56 and 57. But anyway. I love the way you think. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that as far as like the Rodgers extension, I could see it happening later in, in the off season. But I also, you know, I think 
his money is kind of in flux. And I know that sounds like a weird way to say it, but there's a lot of different things that they can do with extensions. And it's not just Rogers, you know, we're thinking Devante is going to get an extension. It's possible that Zadarius Smith gets an extension after a restructure. If they want to make some moves, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is in the same boat as a lot of fans are and not like, Hey, take my money away. But this team could have, should have potentially gone to the Super Bowl. So I think that there's this, this sense of like, Hey, when we say run it back, we really mean that we think that we can go all the way. Right. And the Packers are pretty fortunate outside of losing Corey Lindsley really to kind of keep that core starting unit together. So maybe that's a good segue, I guess, then into the second part of Matt's question then is who would you think would be the biggest cog in this team being able to run it back? I mean, it's big dog. The answer has to be Mercedes Lewis. And and I don't, I I say that somewhat facetiously, but I genuinely mean it. I think that Matt LaFleur even, and we've spoken about this on the show before, just speaks very highly of Mercedes Lewis, not just as a player, but the way he fits in the offense. I think he genuinely has a very important role. He's and got there, a big dog jersey. Yeah. And there's very, <laughs> there are just very few tight ends that do what Mercedes Lewis does anymore at the level that he does. And at the vet, like, expertise, right? Like he's the same age as Aaron Rodgers. And you think about that, that's kind of wild. Um, and there's something that MVS said in his interview with Ty Dunn that's been sticking with me a lot since I read it last week. And it's that there's, you can't just come into this offense and be, be ready to go immediately, right? There's Matt LaFleur's book. And then there's also Aaron Rodgers's book and a player like big dog is the perfect example of a player that knows the ins and outs of both of those playbooks, if you want to call them that, um, perfectly well. And so he's someone that I would really love to see come back, especially in a year when offensive line depth is kind of a question mark. And you know yeah. that he can kind of fill in um, as that blocking as that blocking tight end. So he's my choice. No, I agree with you 100%. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. You know, if David Bakhtiari can't start the season, I'm putting Mercedes Lewis on the left side, making that the strong side every single play for right. like two or three weeks until right. David Bakhtiari is back. And I think, you know, there's a part of it where not to, I don't want to discredit any of these players, but like the Packers don't know what they have yet in Jay Sternberger. Dominique Daphne jumped him on the depth chart to end the season. Josiah DeGuar is coming back and he's not necessarily fully healthy. We're thinking he will do at the time the season starts. And I know Mercedes Lewis isn't like a world beater as far as like a pass catching weapon for the offense, but he does so many other important things. And guys like Aaron Rodgers just need that presence mm -hmm. in the locker room and that leadership. So to me, I think signing him says more about your locker room culture and kind of that consistency that you want to have on the offense rather than just like what he necessarily brings from a skill perspective. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, so I think that's all the questions that we had. Um, is there anything else that you would like to maybe elaborate on? So I do, I want to give you the floor actually. Oh, geez. Um, and it's, it's just to talk about Mr. Tremont Williams and the fact that he retired at 38 years old, um, his 38th birthday wearing number 38 with the Packers. So if you would like to just, you know, talk about Tremont, I would like to give you that opportunity. That's so nice of you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's interesting to me, these like fierce attachments that we create as fans and just peep as you watch football regularly to these players that you've never met. But, um, you know, we make tons of jokes, right? Everyone that speaks to me about football makes lots of jokes about how much I love defensive backs and how much I love the cornerback position. And 
the reason is because of Tremont, right? Charles Woodson, Sam Shields, um, Nick Collins, that core when I was 14, 15, when the Packers won the Super Bowl, um, that core was everything to me as a burgeoning fan and not just a fan of the Packers, but like a fan of football, a fan of the game. Um, and it, that Super Bowl run, Jermon Williams was a superhero. He was a superhero for this defense. I think every fan remembers that exact moment when they watched him pick off Matt Ryan in the Atlanta game. So he just, he's a player that as Andy Herman put it, I think it's perfect is like on my Mount Rushmore of favorite Packers players ever. And his story was just amazing to come out of Louisiana tech as an undrafted guy and literally grind his way up to being a starting corner and then ended up playing until he was 38. He retired at 38. I mean, that's just tremendous and it's inspirational. It's inspirational. He's an inspiration to young guys that says it doesn't matter where you're drafted. It's all about the work that you put in. Um, And I just feel like truly honored that he, even though he played for a few teams in between his times with green Bay, I feel honored that, you know, he will always be remembered, I think, as a Green Bay Packer and that his last game, even though he didn't step foot on the field um, and the NFC Championship game was was with the Packers. And I have a slight inkling that was done on purpose. In hindsight, it looks like it was um, because he thanked Goot for, for bringing him back for that game. Um, and I uh, was a lot more emotional when he made that announcement than I thought that I would be. Yeah, and I mean, I think Tremont kind of set the mold like you were talking about. There's guys like, you know, because of players like Tremont and Sam Shields, every time the Packers have a corner, like Herb Waters, you know, this undrafted corner, I'm like, oh, he could be the next Tremont Williams. And I think that that says a lot about a player's legacy is that it's not just like, oh, he can be the next fine for Green Bay. It's like, no, he can be the next Tremont Williams. Yeah. Like when your name is attached to that. So, yeah. There's a lot to be said, too, about the way that the Packers find undrafted talent. I I think that we've discussed this before as well, where it feels like one of a handful, a small handful of teams that do a really, really good job of scouting undrafted talent. And of all of those players, because we could list a ton, you know, Robert Tunyon and uh, Alan Lazard being the two that come to mind immediately that are literal contributors to the team right now. Um, Tremont is probably the most successful of them. And if you watched his video retiring, he has all of his interception balls in this little cabinet in his trophy room. And there's like too many to count. I mean, the man just had an incredible, an incredible career. And I think more than that, his legacy is going to live on through every player that he interacted with, um, up until his retirement, right? Like every player in the Packers secondary, whether they've been with the team for a couple of seasons now, or last year was their first season can credit how much growth they were able to have from interacting with Tremont Williams. And that again is just a sign of the kind of person and the kind of player he is and the kind of leader that he was in the locker room. And I would be, I'd hit the floor if he came back to be a defensive backs coach in the league. (laughs) Like I, 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 and I think he would do a great job at it. Because of everything that he brings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. I mean, Tremont kind of deserves that send off. Um, Obviously thinking about Corey Lindsley, the Lindsley family, if you have not already, and you have the means to donate to Casa of Brown County, please consider doing that. Andy Herman started an excellent trend on Twitter this week, donating 63 
$6 to CASA, $6.30. Or if you just want to share that on your social media, please feel free to do that. They've raised over $12,000 already for an exceptional cause. We'll miss the Lindsay's. It's actually up to $14,000 last time I checked. There you go. $14,000. The Lindsay's are off to sunny California. Corey Lindsay is a charger. Jamal Williams to the Detroit Lions. Tim Boyle. To the Detroit Lions, gonna compete with Jared Goff for a starting job there. Um, Aaron Jones is back though. Aaron Jones is back. So, you know, if you had all those moves on your bingo card, then consider going to buy a lottery, <laughs> lottery ticket. ticket. <laughs> um, make make sure you catch Perry and me on Packers After Dark with Tyler next Monday, the twenty second. Twenty second, uh at nine PM uh central time. Bring a beer, good vibes only, and get to know about Perry and me outside of just the Packer stuff that you hear us talk about all the time. And Perry, people know where to follow you, but if they don't, can you just just remind them really quick? Just follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Follow the podcast at PWSS Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. That was perfect. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Um, I write for Chisa TV. You can also catch Perry and me with the draft guide or the draft watch party, I should say. I'll be doing the positional review for the Cheesehead TV draft guide. Make sure you grab a copy of that if you have not already. And make sure that you also, you know, pick up some Packs What She Said merch for the offseason because it might be the offseason, but you can wear Packs What She Said merch every day of the year. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Is back in town. The Green Bay Packers.